Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we take this moment to quiet the things that bubble up in our mind, the things that rage in our hearts, all the things that try so hard to take our attention and divert it off of your voice. We ask that you give us the the power to, to hear, the grace to let your word transform us, and that all those distractions that compete for our attention will just simply be cleared away. We ask that your spirit will move on us during this time. We ask that as the word is read, as it is proclaimed, that you will bless both the hearing and, and the reading of it, but that you also bless the application of it, so that as we leave this place today, that the word will continue to take root in our hearts and move us on to perfection. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 10 through 21. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I send to Babylon and bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Today is the first day of this sermon series, which will be with you. I'm sorry, this thing is falling off. That's, I, don't, I don't know what to do about it. There it goes. All right. Um, today is the, the first week in a, a series that I would like to do with you and uh, what will turn out to be my, my final sermon series with you. 
It's not something I take lightly as I was thinking about what I could do for my final sermon series here at Buena Vista. I realized that one thing that I should probably do above all else is offer a word of exhortation. Exhortation is encouragement. The Apostle Paul was very good at it throughout his letters. He was always reminding the church of of how they they could uh, improve themselves, reminding the church of of how to be faithful disciples. disciples. And and we, we do that for each other. Exhortation is part of Christian ministry. So I want to take these uh, next few weeks to offer a final word to you on, on how we can continue to be faithful disciples and, uh, and faithful stewards of the church. That final word that I want to offer to you is be. B-E. Now what does that mean? Well, it means be all that you can be. Do you remember those commercials for the Army? Be all that you can be in the Army. Um, we're going to talk for the next few weeks about how to be the church, how to be faithful in our witness, how to be faithful to each other, how to be faithful in our discipleship. And so I want to take these few uh, weeks to really unpack that for you. And just from my heart to yours, uh, let you know exactly uh, what it is that I would like to see this church uh, do going forward. Before we can be all that we can be, the first thing that we must be is present. We have to be fully present. Now that's a difficult thing to do in this day and age of distraction, of entertainment, immediate gratification. But being present, also referred to as mindfulness, is in and of itself a discipline. One of my favorite courses that I took when I was at uh, Candler was a comparative religions course uh, on Buddhism. And, uh, and, and not that I agree with Buddhists or that I, I bought into you know, their philosophy, but I really enjoyed seeing certain things in Buddhism that, uh, that were at one time a part of Christianity, ancient Christianity, the early church. One of these things is the process of, of mindfulness or contemplation, being aware of the present. The early church was very good at that because they were going uh, very literally on what Jesus said when he said, consider the lilies, how they are clothed finer than Solomon, but they don't worry about how they're going to be clothed. Consider the birds of the air. They are fed. They are taken care of. And so Jesus taught this. Jesus taught this. Be mindful. Be present. Be in the moment. And yet, today, we struggle to do that. The Eastern religions still put an emphasis on this, this mindfulness. They have what they call the Zen of, and you might have heard that there's different books, the Zen of archery, the Zen of wood making. They talk about the Zen of drinking tea. When we drink tea, we probably pick up the glass and we just drink it. We just chug it. But there's actually a mindfulness, uh, a, a mindful way of drinking tea where you sip it. You are present. You are, you are savoring it. And it's, it's not that the tea is anything very special. It's just that you are deliberately putting yourself there present in the moment. And we would become much better Christians. We would become much better followers of Christ if we too were very mindful, always living fully present in each moment. The Desert Fathers were a group of early Christians that did this deliberately. They would isolate themselves 
go out into the desert and spend long periods of time out there just devoting themselves to prayer and to the scriptures, contemplating, reflecting, meditating, praying, because they knew that if they were out there isolated in the wilderness, they weren't going to come across all the distractions that was back in their everyday life. Now, I'm not saying that all of you need to go out to the desert and isolate yourself for several days, but I'm saying we've lost that dedication to to mindfulness, that dedication to actually reflecting on what it is God is saying to us right now. And it's very hard to do that with all of the distractions that we have going on in our world. We've forgotten how to contemplate. We have cell phones that can tell us anything we want to know. We can get in touch with anybody we want at a moment's notice. They distract us. They keep us from being fully present. Somebody can be talking to us, and we can be looking down at the phone. "Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I'm listening. And we're not really present. We're somewhere else. We're trying to be two places at the same time. We have entertainment always at our fingertips. Whatever we want to look up or watch or listen to, we can do it. We talk about the TV generation, the generation that grew up on television, having entertainment broadcast into their home. Well, behind that was the microwave generation. You want something cooked? You can do it right now, very quickly. And then now we have the smartphone generation. You can have entertainment and quick results, immediate results. And it's kept us from being present. What happens is when everything happens quickly for us, the mind never truly focuses in the way that it should. And so our mind is always constantly going over here and over there and over there, and we get in a pattern of thinking in this rushed, scattered way. We have a mind that wanders. Chopping wood. It used to be you took an axe and you chopped wood. I was on the scout camping trip a few weeks ago, chopping wood. And it took forever just to get a few pieces of firewood chopped. But I'll tell you, I was very focused on it because I was trying really hard not to chop my foot off. And I was deliberately paying attention to what I was doing the whole time. Unlike now, you have these machines, you put the look, you press a button, it comes down, the blade just splits you six pieces of perfectly cut firewood just like that. And so what's happened is we have minds that can't focus. They wander, they drift, and we're unable to be fully present, engaged in the moment like we should. Have you ever driven somewhere, and when you got to your destination, you didn't even really remember the drive? (coughs) Or maybe you ate a meal, and it could have been a meal that you looked forward to, maybe one of your favorite dishes, but then when you finished eating, you didn't remember eating it because your mind was on other things. Unfortunately, I think we live our lives that way. So one thing that I want to say to you is be present, be mindful, be aware of what's going on around you. Because as the passage we just read says, God God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in us. He's doing a new thing around us. And if we aren't mindful, if we aren't present, we will miss it. We will be unaware of it. But in order to be present... We have to be in the present. What in the world does that mean? It means we can't be in the past. And it means we can't be in the future. We have to be in the present. Now we can get hung up on the past or the future, and I'll talk about both of those. There's two ways we can get hung up on the past and be living in the past. One is if we glorify the past. 
If we become nostalgic and we look back on the past with rose-colored glasses, and the past is always better than how we remember it, truth be told, we always remember the good old days. Well, when we're always thinking about the past as a better time, a better season, we rob ourselves of the present. We don't realize how good the present can be or how God is trying to work around us right now. Uh, Claire and I have this thing that we say, we are in the good old days. We, we, we remind each other of that a lot. And, and I'm going to say that until I leave this earth. These are the good old days. If you follow her on Instagram or on Facebook, you've probably seen her do the hashtag, the good old days. Because you can think of the good old days as this season of your life that's gone by, or you can choose to say, these are the good old days. And if you have that mentality, then you will be living in the present. But if you glorify the past, you will never fully enjoy what the present can be. Another reason people get hung up on the past is if they're living with guilt and shame over the past. And this can be a terrible thing. It's like I told the children during the children's sermon. Once you're forgiven, it's time to move on. There's nothing you can do to change your past. But so often we feel guilt and we carry around guilt with us. And again, we are allowing that to rob us of God's grace in the present moment. Warren Wearsby is often called the pastor's pastor. He, he was once the pastor of uh, Moody Church in Chicago and, uh, and is now uh, one of the, on the trustees of Moody Bible Institute. But he has this wonderful uh, quote where he says, Most Christians are being crucified on a cross between two thieves, yesterday's regret and tomorrow's worries. What a powerful quote. We are being crucified on a cross between two thieves, yesterday's regrets and tomorrow's worries. In other words, we cannot live our lives in the present moment because we are being torn between either our past or our future. So we've talked about the past, but what does it mean to live in the future? Well, like he said, we may be living with tomorrow's worries. And to live like this goes against what Jesus said when he said, do not worry about tomorrow, let tomorrow worry about itself. That's easier said than done. We have anxieties, we have worries, we have concerns, and we need to be prepared for the future. But again, if our mind is always in the future thinking about what could go wrong, we aren't showing faith that God will take care of us in the future, that God will provide for us. Now, we do have hope for the future. We are Easter people. We do believe in the resurrection. We do believe that our times are in God's hand. And so that should alleviate all these unnecessary concerns and anxieties over the future. But that hope sometimes can, turn, can be abused and distorted and turn into a thing where we are uh, instead living too far in the future as if it is romanticized. And we have this idea that the future is going to be so much better than right now. And that's unfortunate. We do look forward to the future with hope and with great expectation knowing that God is a God of promise and our times are in His hand. But if we live constantly thinking about how things will get better, again, we are robbing ourselves of the present moment. And we are failing to understand how God is at work right now. Looking forward to things is always good. But we should never let it rob us of the present moment. And here's why. Every gift... Or every, every second, excuse me, 
is a gift. Every second of your life, every breath that you take, every heartbeat in your chest is a gift. The alternative, obviously, is not being alive anymore. So every breath that you take, every moment that you have on earth is a gift. The present moment is a gift. And that means even the bad moments, even the sorrowful ones, even the hard ones, the anxious ones, the painful ones. But they are gifts just the same. God gives us every moment and we build on each moment as we grow in his grace. The future holds hope for us. We go through Lent to get to Easter, but we go through 46 days of Lent. We don't just go through a day. We don't go through a few minutes. We don't go through a few days. We go through 46 days of Lent, and every moment in Lent is, leads us closer to Easter. Every breath that you take, even if you are going through a challenging or painful season in your life, every breath is still a gift because it leads us closer to the thing that we hope for. And God is at work in every single one of those moments. Jesus fasted for 40 days when he went into the wilderness. He didn't go fast forward through this. Let me fast for a day or two. Let me fast for a week. He fasted for 40 days. The devil came and tempted him with some very real temptations. Temptations for power. Temptations to cure his hunger. And he resisted. Because every one of those moments, even though it was trying, even though it was difficult, even though he faced temptation and struggle, every one of those moments was helping him become the person he needed to be to fulfill his ministry. And it's the same with us. Every moment is a gift, a chance for us to become the person God intends for us to be. The reason for us to be present at all times is because just like the passage said, God is doing a new thing. And it will be easy for all of us to look back on days gone by, seasons in the church's history, seasons when we have known people that we have lost, seasons when people that we have known are saying goodbye. And that, that is painful. That is part of the grieving. But there is always a new thing going on. There is always something else that God is wanting to do right now. Something He is wanting to prepare you for. And you can't embrace it. You can't let Him prepare you properly if you are not living in the present. This passage starts off saying, you are my witnesses. We have seen what God has done. We have seen how God has blessed us in the past. We are witnesses to His faithfulness, to His blessings, and what He has done for us, and that gives us hope for the future. But as we have witnessed the past and as we hope for the future, we have to commit to what He is doing in our lives today. The past is certainly worth reflecting on, either to remind us of how far we've come or to remind us how God's grace has saved us, or even to remind us how God has worked through us and in us and around us. We are witnesses to that. That reflection gives us a healthy foundation for the present. And the future is worth considering. We have hope. We have an expectation that God will move us closer and closer to glory, closer to perfection, 
closer to resurrection in the days ahead. But in contemplating the past and having hope for the future, we should never let either one of us steal from us the joy that is available in the present. God is always doing a new thing. Be present. Be in the present. And always be aware of how He is working in your life and in the life of the church today. A new thing springs up. Do you perceive it? Our God is presently making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Let us pray. God, we ask you for your forgiveness for all the times that we have allowed ourselves to be crucified between yesterday and and tomorrow. For all the times that we've allowed either our nostalgia or our guilt to bind us to the past. We ask that you forgive us for all the times that we've allowed our worry over the future or even... Uh, our, our exaggerated expectations of the future to steal us away from the present moment. Lord, we ask that for everyone here, for me, for the congregation, for the pastoral family that will come here in June, we ask that you help all of us to fully embrace the present moment, to be faithful to the work you are doing in us and through us today. For you are always doing a new thing. Lord, we desire to be a part of that new thing you are doing. Always and everywhere. We give thanks to you and we praise you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.